Listen up, all you New York fans. Veteran New York sports talk host John Dostromsky gives his unique take on all the big stories in the Big Apple and beyond, including guest conversations, gambling picks, and reactions from you, the listener. Check out New York, New York with John Dostromsky on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello, media consumers. Welcome to Press Box Friday. Brian Curtis of The Ringer here along with producer Erica Cervantes. We're going to bring on ESPN's Mina Kimes here in five seconds. But I want to say a couple of quick things about the big media story of the week, which was the New York Times buying the sports website The Athletic for $550 million in cash. And thought number one, I still can't believe it. This was kind of the worst kept secret in media over the last couple of weeks. I remember calling people at The Athletic and they all said, I think this is going to happen. I think this is going to happen. But it's fair to say that I am still really, really shocked that not only did The Athletic sold for that fantastically large price, but also that it wound up at The New York Times. It is pretty amazing. Uh, thought number two is you may have seen this quote from one of the founders of The Athletic, Alex Mather, kicking around on Twitter yesterday. Uh, the Athletic was founded in 2016. There was a lot of goodwill because they were hiring good sports writers. They were paying them well. And then Alex Mather, the co-founder, gave an interview to the New York Times where he said this of the local newspapers The Athletic was competing with. We will wait every local paper out and let them continuously bleed until we are the last one standing. I, I can't tell you how important that one quote was in sports media. Uh, I thought Kevin Draper did a really good job with that story, but it had this effect of turning people in this industry who wanted to root for the athletic, who wanted to root for Kenny Rosenthal and Nicole Auerbach and my old ringer and Grantland teammate, Robert Mays later on, who wanted to root for the thing against the athletic against the founders. And, and I said this in the piece I wrote for The Ringer uh, yesterday, but it really took the diligence and the great writing and great reporting that all those people did over there 
to just sort of win people back and sort of remind people that this website, which report, which employed reams and reams of sports writers was not one person or two people. It was all of them. And I think it's a great credit to them that they got to a point where they made us root for the athletic or made a lot of people root for its success or at least their success. Uh, thought number three is, <laughs> here's another thing I can't believe. About every six months, I would get a note from somebody in sports writing and say, can you look into the athletic suspiciously optimistic comments section? Because if you look at the comments under an athletic article, it'd often be like, I love this site. I, I love it. This is This is wonderful. This is the kind of content I'm paying for. And I didn't know if it was kind of a mental thing that once you swiped your credit card, you were happy to, you know, you were so happy that you were in the athletic. You were like, I, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. This is fantastic or what it was. But people outside the athletic were absolutely fascinated with that. And thought number four is about yesterday's sale. Uh, I, I also cannot tell you how many dire predictions I heard off the record about the athletic. Oh my gosh, what if the site goes under? What if they have to lay off everybody? What if it's stripped for parts? I mean, that was something that I had been fielding in one form or another for years before yesterday's announcement. Now we don't know what's gonna happen at the New York Times. Uh, we don't know what the athletics gonna look like in a couple of years, whether they'll keep all those riders, whether the site will be downsized in some way or another. But I think it is very fair to say that Mather and his co-founder Adam Hansman proved a lot of people wrong yesterday. And a lot of people whom you'll never hear say this are very privately taking the L right now because they predicted the athletics demise. And at least as we sit right now, it is now a subsidiary of the New York Times. What a world, what a moment for sports writing. The other big media story of the week besides the athletic was the Aaron Rodgers discourse. Aaron Rodgers, of course, is the all-world quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. He has 35 touchdowns and only four interceptions this year. But Aaron Rodgers is also the guy who spent part of the offseason, we heard, lobbying for the Packers to trade him. He's the guy who refused to take the COVID vaccine and misled people about it. And then after he got COVID, he had to miss a game that the Packers lost. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the guy who's off the field stuff led one NFL MVP voter this week to declare he wasn't voting for Aaron Rodgers because he was, quote, a jerk. And even as we are about to go on the air here, a New York sports radio station aired an unconfirmed report that Aaron Rodgers might boycott this year's Super Bowl or threaten to at least to force the NFL to change its COVID testing rules, which Rodgers has already laughed at uh, on Twitter all of which shows just how tricky a subject Aaron Rodgers is for us sports media types in 2021. And there was one person who can help us understand the Aaron Rodgers discourse. That is ESPN's Mina Kimes, who you can see on NFL Live. You can hear her on her podcast. And in her other job as a writer, wrote a fantastic story for ESPN Magazine about Aaron Rodgers in 2017. It's really, really good. It contains a lot of breadcrumbs about how we got where we are with Aaron Rodgers today. Here's Mina Kimes on how we cover Aaron Rodgers. All right, Mina, when you wrote about Aaron Rodgers in 2017, he was already a great quarterback. He'd already won a Super Bowl. Beyond that, why was he an interesting subject to you? Well, uh, at the time, 
I think it had been many years, at least five years since he had sat down for like a magazine interview. So uh, as a magazine writer, which is what I was back then, um, that's sort of the dream, right? Is to (laughs) profile a a famous athlete who hasn't uh, been interviewed a lot. And so I, I, I was really excited about it. I, I remember pitching him and his people on it and sending a very, very long email explaining why I wanted to do it, why I thought I was the person to do it, not hearing from them for months. And then it came together super quickly to the point where I actually ended up um, like texting with him the night before he came to my house. And that was when it was a green light. He we now think of Aaron Rodgers as a very opened up person to use the people <laughs> magazine term doing an hour of content a week on the Pat McAfee content. show. Yeah. He was not a very opened up person. Then he was guarded, still figuring out how much he wanted to tell all of us. Yeah. I, I yes, I, I'd say that's fair. Um, uh, he was very, I don't want to say suspicious, I think suspicious is fair. Suspicious of the media. And he said so. This is not my interpretation. Uh, and, you know, I remember a thing, I actually ended up writing this into the article. Um, he, when, when he sat down, he put out his own recorder to tape our interview, which is not something that has ever happened to me. Um, you know, I've interviewed a fair amount of high profile athletes. That's the first time that that had ever happened. And hedge funders, by the way, and they've never done it either. So <laughs> I used to be a business the, journalist, yeah. Right. That's usually the publicist sitting next to the yes. famous person move. I'm just going to record this for all of us. But a superstar quarterback actually pulling out the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Putting on the coffee table. Uh, yeah. So that I, I feel like was pretty telling in retrospect. Do you have a theory about why he talked to you? Um, You know, I, I the email I wrote, I, so... Before I wrote it, I'd listened to every interview he had done, uh, including he, he had done a um, long podcast with the comedian Pete. I am forgetting his name. He had that show Crashing on HBO. Uh, super funny, nice guy whose name I am now forgetting. And um, that interview, he ended up getting into a lot of kind of like, you know, quirky stuff he likes, like science and histories and various theories about science. And, um, and so anyways, I, I made it very clear in my email that, that I had consumed all of this and thought about it and would be interested in having conversations about his interests outside of football. And I think that's probably what spoke to him. When we write about celebrities, it's always this question of what stage thing are we going to do with celebrity? <laughs> We're going to go bowling. <laughs> are we going to do something like that? What happens yeah. with Aaron Rodgers? Uh, we didn't do anything. He just came to my house. Um, well, actually, I met him at a coffee shop in Los Feliz, which is where I used to live. I don't know if this place is still open, but he was sitting in there and nobody, I, I don't know if no one knew who he was or he approached him, which is pretty, for people who live in LA, pretty unsurprising given the location. And not a lot of football fans at coffee shops in Los Feliz in the middle of the day. I think. But anyways, uh, he was just hanging out, having like a, I don't know, cortado or something. And then we walked to my house from there. And then I just interviewed him for like a couple hours at my house. Um, so it was not <laughs> an activity. You're right. There are usually goofy activities. I went fishing with Von Miller the year before that, I think. Um, super sweet guy. But yeah, it was, um, but the location, I think, kind of made it um, turned into an activity in, a, in and of itself because you know, he was like looking at my shit. <laughs> it's bizarre. 
And you said, this is the reversal of what we as journalists yeah. usually do. Cause we get to go to their house for like an hour and we're just like scribbling down everything we can. Again, I think it is pretty telling uh, cause it was, you know, his decision. Mentally speaking, how did you find Aaron Rodgers in 2017? Um, very nice. Very nice to me. Which is, I never take for granted with, <laughs> with uh, interviews. Um, very excited to talk about things like TV shows that we were both watching at the time, books that he was reading, uh, crosswords. I remember we were both into crosswords. Um, and, you know, like some of the things he was passionate about. Um, you know, we had a lot of, we had talked for a while about religion and him kind of going away from organized religion. I think that was in the story. I should have reread the story before we talked. Um, and, and, you know, some things about his career. Um, yeah, I, 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 I found him to be like a good conversationalist. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, that's again, also not something we take for granted in my space. And he's also in the questioning things mode, what we would later call the doing my own research mode. In this case, you yes. mentioned it's organized religion, right? Like I, I've read some books, I've talked to people and I'm yeah. rethinking things that I might've thought I knew about. This is all out there, but he was really into like, you know, ancient aliens and like, kind of like those sorts of books and shows and stuff. So yeah, there were definitely some interests at the time that probably aligned with some of the things we're hearing now. Do we think Aaron Rodgers likes the media? No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> is he interested in the media? Yes. Uh-huh. I, I just did. I, I'm not a writer anymore, but I did write a story this summer about Justin Herbert, who um, does not like the media, but also is completely uninterested in the media. And I would I would hold that up as a contrast to uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I don't think I think Justin Herbert probably read the story, but I don't think he consumes media about himself or is dialed into the discourse, so to speak. Uh, and I think Aaron Rodgers very much so is. Yeah. His comp to me is like Kevin Durant. Yes. Where it's like, they're both eternally disappointed in how people are talking about them, but very, very interested in how people are talking about them. And they never stop talking to people exactly like us. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think th I actually thought that at the time that he reminded me a lot of KD. Um, and I so I think that's super accurate, not just because of how he interfaced with the media, but I think, um, you know, just the uh, obviously the extent of their talent and kind of um, the guardedness generally that goes beyond, I think, interactions with the media. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I that dude did not like the media he like I, I don't think he disliked being interviewed by the way which is, again is different from mm. not liking the media Justin Herbert does not like being interviewed <laughs> by comparison <laughs> but um yeah I think um there he expressed a lot of you know anti-media sentiments talking about clickbait and that kind of thing and yeah and, the hour <laughs> we spend together I'm going to enjoy that I'm just not necessarily going to enjoy how the piece comes out when you get to pick which quotes to use and interpret right. me and all that kind of stuff yeah. That's kind of an interesting lane for an athlete. Yeah. And I, I think you can kind of theorize as to why, I mean, at, at the time, um, you know, we'd been coming off of years of speculation about his relationships, his relationship with his family was something that was out there. And, um, you know, it kind of stands to figure that those are the sorts of events that might make someone develop a bit of a antipathy for the, uh, fourth estate. 
for the fourth estate. I like that. <laughs> um, it's funny because reading your piece, it almost seems like he changes course. So at that time, he's very conscious of what people are thinking about him and what they're going to say about him. So he says very, very little comparatively. He's yeah. still very conscious of what people say about him. But now it's like he's just going to pump so much into the universe in an attempt to explain himself or just because he's gotten more comfortable with it. I don't, do you have a theory about that? Well, I actually would uh, push back on that a little bit. I, I don't think until the, the vaccine stuff that he was putting out that much into the universe. I mean, he was having conversations on the Pat McAfee show. And, um, but if you kind of, I mean, I don't think he said anything controversial before this, right. Uh, unless I'm missing something. I mean, the controversy was, uh, reported about him and, and what was happening in green Bay with from a football perspective, but I can't think of anything Roger said before this vaccine stuff on that platform or elsewhere that I don't know, um, is not something that I, I already knew or about him or would have expected. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe there is, I don't know. So talking a lot without necessarily, you know, put planting his foot in the ground and saying something, you know, that is going to make us rear up and really learn something about him. I guess I just mean, like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mean to imply that. Like there, I think there, there were a lot of really fun interviews and um, probably people did learn a bit about him and his interests and that kind of thing. I guess I just meant this was the first thing that really struck people the wrong way. Yeah. I, I think what's one thing that's so interesting about him and maybe makes him an interesting media figure is if we just compare him to brand X quarterback and Justin Herbert's a good one, you know, who's on the same level talent wise, mm -hmm. he's just talks a lot, you know? And again, you may, it may, we may agree that a lot of that's about fun movies and, and stuff like that, but he's just putting a lot more material out into the universe than a lot of other people are, or at least yeah. let's say material that you can tweet about or a funny t-shirt that I'm going to wear on the Ben McAfee show, you know? Yeah. Certainly a lot of that with athletes, but I just think he's probably on a different, you know, scale than a lot of very famous quarterbacks. Yeah. Like most of Tom Brady's content is self-made and self-produced and, um, you know, it's, he's revealed bits and pieces of himself, but yeah, I, I, it's also, but it's a lot smaller, like, right. Like the, 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 just the format of long form interviewing or hanging out whatever, you know, it is pretty unique in and of itself. And for any athlete who doesn't have their own podcast. So if Aaron Rodgers really cares about what reporters uh, say about him, what was his reaction when you published your story? Um, he was fine with it. Yeah. I, I, it was a weird thing that happened afterwards where, um, I guess it was because there had been so many, so few interviews with him. I, people kind of treated me like I was Aaron Rodgers whisperer. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't even tell you for like for a while, every time I do an interview, people said, at people, uh, you know, I guess going on our shows or other shows, people, I would get asked, you know, Aaron Rodgers really well, what do you think of X, Y, Z? And I'd have to reply. I mean, I spent like one day with the guy with some follow-up phone calls, but, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't really know him. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't have like a correspondence with him. <laughs> I, I, I really don't with anyone I write about. It's kind of when I, when I, when I was a features writer, but, um, uh, I suspect, you know, if he was angry about it, I would have, no, would have, uh, yeah, no, I remember he was, he was fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't uh, track down all those questions that sports radio hosts wanted to know about Aaron Rodgers. Some, some follow-ups six months later. I, I did ask him about his family and, you know, the things I felt like I had to, uh, that were important, but, sure. um, you know, I, 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 as I remember, it was a pretty flattering story. You know, one really funny thing about it. And I just noticed this when I reread it today yeah. is that, the headline or one of the headline dreams yeah. is Aaron Rodgers unmasked. 
<laughs> truly, truly did not. Well, I guess no age perfectly. So old taste <laughs> confirmed. Uh, yeah, that was remarkable. Yeah. Whoever uh, works at ESPN, the magazine and wrote that is the true Swami of ESPN. It's not Chris Berman. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you were trying to capture Aaron Rodgers in 2017. So you're not responsible for anything that happened <laughs> in the next five years, but is there uh, anything when you think about that story that you would do differently, write differently if you had another crack at it? Um, I think at the time, you know, I, most of the things that could be potentially controversial were not things actually involving Aaron Rodgers at the time, but he was happy with his, essentially happy with his football team. And, um, you know, so there weren't, like I mentioned, asking about his family, but there was no, in terms of like other quote unquote, potentially, I don't know, controversial things. There, there really weren't things like that to ask him about. I do think, um, you know, we had conversations about Colin Kaepernick and, um, remember a teammate of his that had come out. And I think I probably could have gone deeper into some of those conversations with him, especially, but, but I was very, I was, um, apprehensive. I'm trying to get, go back into my mind state at the time, God, of, um, mindset of pushing too much because I, I don't know if you remember this, but they're like, white athletes at the time were not talking about Colin Kaepernick outside of like maybe Chris Long or you know, a few other guys. And um, so for even the fact that he acknowledged that he should be in the league and had been pushed out was, I remember like a headline to people, which is wild in retrospect. And so obvious, it's like an obvious truth. And I think people have come around to it, but at the, at the moment, I remember handling that a bit gingerly. Yeah. And I do remember that it was remarkable that he said that. And then two years before that, he'd had that amazing moment after a Packers game. Was that at Lambeau Field, I think? Yeah. Where they had a moment of silence. Somebody made an anti-Islamic comment and he comes out after the game and was like, I thought that was really inappropriate. And I think that kind of thinking is (laughs) why the world is where it is today, which at the time was so remarkable. And you pointed this out in the piece that Barack Obama thanked him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The bar at that time was very low. Yeah, I think it's safe to say, which is not a ding on on riders at all. It's just that's where we were as a society. A very different place for athletes and political views and that kind of stuff. Um, So now your job is to think about Aaron Rodgers on a daily basis, if not a (laughs) many times a day basis. How have you been processing his 2021 season? Well, um, on the show that I'm on three days a week, NFL Live, the vast majority of our show is talking about X's and O's, which has um, been a bit of a reprieve for the Rogers stuff because, you know, we, we, we do mostly talk about Aaron Rodgers, the football player. He's had a very good season. It's, um, it's why he is my choice for MVP at the moment. But um, I guess we'll, we'll be after week 18 too, probably. But um, yeah, but there have been a few moments where we have had, we have had, not had, but we have, commented on either um, the vaccine story, which we can talk about, or uh, during the off season when you know, there were reports. I, I think that actually, I remember I was on set at the draft in Cleveland when Adam Schefter broke the story about uh, Rogers wanting out, which completely blew up our show. And we just talked <laughs> talking about that for the whole hour. So that's also, that, especially during the off season, obviously less so during the season, that was something we had to talk about a lot, uh, which, you know, it, it's, that's a conversation that involves 
analysis of the team, other teams, his incentives. There's, I really try to avoid psychoanalysis or speculating, um, but that unfortunately is what that invited a lot of. Um, oh, you'll get nowhere with, uh, with <laughs> putting aside psychoanalysis. I know and- it's endless with, especially with um, this new world where quarterbacks want out, but they won't say they want out, but you hear they want out. And then you have to talk about why they want out, but maybe they don't want out. And it's like an endless thing. So I have spent a lot of time talking about that, but most of the time on our show, it's been about him as a football player. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Okay, so can we take those two different stories uh, in turn? As you say, (laughs) draft day. Yeah. Report comes out, not from Aaron Rodgers' mouth, but from Adam Schefter's mouth, which is, you know, as close to gold in this industry as we can yes. get, that he does not want to play for the Green Bay Packers anymore. And this intersects with a couple of things. One, it's a huge story because Aaron Rodgers just had a great season. He was the NFL MVP. Uh, he's going to leave the Packers. There's a lot of football implications to that. But two, it also intersects with this whole idea of there are lots of athletes who are doing this around in multiple sports saying, I just don't want to be here anymore. And I would like to be somewhere else. And so he enters that sort of conversation about how do we think about that? What was, what was interesting to you about that whole story? But, well, but it was God where, I mean, what's not interesting. It's a hall of fame quarterback still playing incredibly good football. Um, reportedly wanting to play for a new team, like quarterbacks like that aren't available, you know, ever. So just, from the perspective of 31 other teams, it's instantly fascinating because it's, it's, it's um, the opportunity to change your fortunes. It's the equivalent of a number one draft pick, but better because you know, he's good, you know? And so I think just having that uh, become an option for most of the league made the off season interesting for other teams. Uh, and then of course, off, obviously interesting for the Packers, given that they were, you know, a potential Super Bowl contender that could be at the risk, could lose him. Uh, but it was hard to gauge because while, as you, as you said, Adam, what Adam Schefter reports is as good as gold, there was no indication at the time 
as to whether Rogers was willing to hold out, retire, like what, how far would he go? Um, and that's always, that's kind of where the speculation comes in because what would it take for him to change his mind? Again, these are all things that we didn't know. All we knew was what Schefter reported, but, um, and, and there was more reporting after that, but, um, it's like you have one piece of the story, but you're still <laughs> missing all of these other things that make it difficult to analyze it from a football standpoint, right? Like even now when I'm asked about uh, the Seahawks off season, I'm, I'm constantly uh, asked on wherever, you know, well, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to freaking happen. I don't know what <laughs> it's going to take for Russell Wilson to stay or push him out the door or will he right. hold out or will he wave? It, it's just, it's difficult in my job, which is no longer a reporter, but as an analyst to do analysis when you don't have all of the facts. Yeah. And it's the question sports fans want to know about everything. What's going to happen? Right. You know, who is going to win the game? Where is Russell Wilson going to play next year? Who is Aaron Rodgers going to get traded to if he gets traded? in the Exactly. So you try to turn it into the realm of what you do know, which is what we spent most of the summer doing, which is, okay, well, we can look at this football team and ask, okay, well, what might Aaron Rodgers want, what are the things where the, how are how do they compare it to places he might go to? Um, where are places that he might go to because they're attractive from a football perspective? You know, you, you kind of try to live in the space where, uh, I guess reality is what I'm going to say. Which I live in reality. <laughs> on yeah. television. Yeah. That's always important. And not all Facts, of television yeah. focuses on the same, uh, same thing. So he does show up to play for the Packers. He shows up in, yeah. in training camp and he has, if I remember right, a fairly remarkable press conference in yes. terms of just like, oh, we're going to address all these things that you've heard, but not necessarily heard from me, at least to up to a point. You're shaking your head like, like maybe. Yeah, no, 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 I, I was trying to remember exactly how much he did address. I, I, I you know, he, I, I, what I do remember from that is he, communicated that the thing he did have a problem with, with was communication between him and the franchise. Um, and I think, you know, he wanted to make it very clear. It wasn't opposed to the drafting of Jordan. Love. Well, you know what? That's not true. He, he, he wanted, he made it clear he was cool with Jordan love, which is very different from objecting to the fact that the Packers <laughs> drafted Jordan love. This is, this is the kind of parsing we end up doing. Right. And I think he's very careful with his words, except when he's not, but, um, he, he, well, I guess he is careful, right? If you go back to the whole immunized thing, he's pretty deliberate about his word choice. And, um, yeah, you end up parsing everything a little bit as a result. Yeah. People don't remember that. So when he was asked if he had taken the COVID yeah. vaccine, he said, I'm immunized fairly memorably. It turns out he was not vaccinated. That was a, to be very, very, very charitable, a misleading comment. Then after he gets COVID, he winds up missing a game and hurting uh, his team, right? They can't play. So what's funny to me from a media perspective, getting our minds around this is both of these concepts are intersecting with the idea of most valuable player, which yeah. we can rate on a Aaron Rodgers, really good at football. He may be the best player in football this year, but then we also attach whether we tried to or not sentiments to that, right? How do, how do you process that question? As like, like would I give him like MVP or sure. Just how do you think those things inter, you know, should or shouldn't interact when we're thinking about somebody like Aaron Rodgers in 2021? It's a, the reason I have said he's my pick, although I do think you can make a case for Tom Brady from a football perspective, 
um, is I think he's had the best season of any quarterback. And I, I think um, the value he provides to that football team, even having missed a game, there's a lot of players who missed games this year, um, is pretty undeniable. Uh, he, I think he's been extremely efficient, you know, taking out of the football. You've had some pretty big splash plays and moments can tends to be a narrative award, I think. But um, yeah, it's, I guess I, I don't view off the field. You know what, actually though, it's worth putting a pin on that because obviously there are lines that people would draw. Right. And maybe that this is just me saying, this is not a line I would draw versus if he, committed a crime or something maybe i would i would say off the field stuff what factors in but you know i i just think he was the best football player the most valuable football player in 2021 so it seems pretty clear and i think and by the way i want to say i think the vast majority of people feel the same way as me and yeah yeah we we had one very notable (laughs) exception uh this week in the media but i no i think that's interesting i just find it fun to find because it just feels like it's forcing sports media people to hold multiple ideas in their heads at the same time, do a lot of yes, but right. Okay. This happened with the vaccine. It led to him missing a game. This happened with the team in the beginning, whether you're putting his stock to that, but he's also the best quarterback in the league. So okay, he, he can win the MVP. I don't know that we're always great at yes, butting our way through, through arguments like that. We sports media and, but I would say reporters, certainly analysts do this constantly with football players. I mean, I am constantly talking about football players who have done things off the field, not constantly, but a fair amount um, yep. of, and you know, by, by a fair amount, I don't mean the majority at all, but I mean, there are prominent athletes who I talk about and I talk about their play and I compartmentalize um, things off the field all the time. I, I, I find in the past, and I'm not comparing what Aaron Rodgers did to, you know, athletes who have, um, either been accused or pleaded guilty to, uh, you know, criminal things or what, whatever. Um, I find I just have to be very specific with my words, you know, I, and talk about when I, when I praise an athlete who I don't, who I, who I feel like has violated some sort of moral thing, code, um, I make sure to talk about them as a football player. And I guess that comes back to everything about MVP. I, I feel the same way. Um, now, I, I think that gets blurred a lot. Like, you know, the, I think that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of times that doesn't happen. But, um, and I don't mean negatively, by the way. I don't mean people turning against the likes of Aaron Rodgers. I think, uh, you know, it's like when you talk about athletes who have uh, done bad things when you watch a game, it's phrases, overcoming adversity, that kind of thing. I, th- I think sure. that still happens a lot. And that's sort of, what I'm talking about, but I, I just speaking for myself personally, I just always try to make sure to separate the two. You did one segment on ESPN where you criticized uh, Rogers who for putting a lot of misinformation out into the world after he, when he was explaining his stance on the vaccine, how do, do you, when you're doing a segment like that, and I just think I, whenever we do, whenever we're trying to do anything on the podcast, I'm always like, how much of this should I write out so that I can refer to this and make sure I'm not getting anything wrong. And obviously that's a podcast rather than television. How do you prepare for a segment like that? Uh, I was really unprepared for that because it was the day that it happened. Um, and I don't think we've actually talked about it very much since. I mean, we've talked about, we talked about, I, I think we talked about it when he came out and apologized or whatever happened next. But in the moment, 
that McAfee interview was in the afternoon, I remember. And our show, NFL Live, was on like a couple hours later, an hour later. And um, all I knew was I wanted to, wish I'd watched this too. <laughs> I wish, I, I, all I knew was I wanted to um, say that it was wrong because I don't view the, um, I don't think of what he did as a two sides issue. I think it's one of the things where I feel passionately that um, perpetuating misinformation about this vaccine is, is wrong. And, and so I wanted to say that, but I um, didn't know exactly. I, you know, I just, I remember I wrote down kind of what he said, you know, and just so that I had that in front of me, just so I knew I wasn't misrepresenting it. <laughs> misrepresentation. And then, but the other, the, the thing I do remember happening is we played some of the video of him and the video at the top of the show, he talked about the Johnson Johnson vaccine being pulled. And so right when um, I was given the opportunity to speak, I just wanted to rebut that immediately. And I, cause I didn't want him to go unchallenged, um, on our show. And, uh, yeah. And then I just said kind of what I believed after that. Yeah. That's a tricky moment. It's uh it's an interesting moment for, for, you know, I mean, it's, it, and it was great. I would rewatch it today. I thought it was wonderful, but it's, oh, um, it's, uh, it's funny because you're sitting there trying to, I mean, it's, you're talking about misinformation, but you're trying to obviously make sure that you're the things you're saying yeah. are right at the same time and not giving an opening for any rebutting to that. Um, I wrote you on, I think Wednesday, because we were in the middle of a strange Aaron Rodgers discourse here in America. <laughs> That's every day, then, man. That's, that, when, when are we not? Although oh, Antonio I know. Brown was giving another guy who I profiled, by the way, and spent time with, it's giving him a run for his money. <laughs> and then today I saw a very, let us say, uh, unconfirmed report on New York radio that Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> if he made the Super Bowl, was going to boycott all the way up something Aaron Rodgers, by the way, has already laughed at yeah, uh, on Twitter. Never, that makes no sense. <laughs> how much, how much more do, how much more is there, do you think for, for Aaron Rodgers discourse? How much potential do we have while you're doing your X's and O's show, let's say? Well, so the latest thing was the MVP voter, right? Uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was Wednesday. That ate up a lot of sports TV, really stupid story. Um, I guess for those, you, know, you probably already talked about it. Sorry. I, don't know, I was going to recap. Uh, my thought on that, seeing that and then seeing Rogers reaction to it was everybody involved got what they wanted out of this. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Aaron Rogers called the reporter a bum. Yeah. He finally got, he got, finally got the cancel cancellation there, uh, in the form of the, the one MVP vote. Oh, by the way, I might be wrong. Maybe he'll, maybe he won't win and then have me back on to apologize. Cause, uh, uh, I could be wrong about him being canceled by MVP voters, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I think if they make it to the super bowl, uh, uh, you know, which is super pop, very possible. Yeah. Even that they've got the one seed, um, he's probably going to do a fair amount of press and that obviously creates a lot more opportunities. There will probably be more reporting around his future which I think also creates some opportunities uh, for quote unquote fake news. Uh, but uh, I think that that day probably where, you know, you really spoke out about the vaccine. Uh, I don't know. This is like trying to catch a falling knife, but it yeah. feels like that, that probably, you know, I, I, I can't imagine he foresaw that level. He said that he didn't foresee that level of backlash. Um, because like I said to you, nothing he had said before on the show had really, incited that kind of thing. So I, I think 
I, I can't imagine it'll be worse than that or more controversial than that. Yeah, I'm putting it back in the prediction business. I apologize. <laughs> Mina, Mina Kimes, thanks for coming on the press box. Thanks for having me. And my apologies. <laughs> thanks again to Mina Kimes for coming on the show. I'm Brian Curtis. Production Magic by Erica Cervantes. A couple of notes for you. David Shoemaker and I are back Monday. And then next week, we're going to do the latest installment of our press box non-fiction used bookstore pantheon. I'm still working on the title, even though I love the concept. And this time it is John Lee Anderson, the great New Yorker reporter, talking about his book, Che Guevara, A Revolutionary Life. I am rereading it right now and enjoying every moment. I hope you reread and I hope you do too. Shoemaker and I are back with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you soon. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.